Hey there, and welcome back to Scopophilia. We are the millennial movie movement. And I, of course, am your host, Becky Teller. We are into the holiday season, people. It is officially holiday time. We are feeling the magic in the air, all of those things, and not doing any holiday movies <laughs> for the end of the season. I'm going to spoil your dreams right now. It doesn't look like we're doing any holiday films. And this week in particular, we are going full punk rock in terms of our episode content today. Uh, not only do we have amazing musician uh, Greg Cortez, or as some of you may know him, Killa Cortez, on the show today, um, but we're talking about an iconic cult classic book adaptation all of those things that I love in a film. Uh, we're talking about Fight Club today, which is very exciting for a multitude of reasons. One, I love this film, no doubt about it. Um, two, David Fincher does an amazing job adapting this book into a movie. If you have not read the book, it is almost spot on the same as this film. Uh, it hits all of the important elements found in the narrative Fight Club. And I love all of those things about it. It's such a great, interesting, creative force. Uh, really stellar cast. I mean, Brad Pitt, Ed Norton, all of those amazing people involved. And I, honestly, I could just probably go on and on and on about it. But instead, <laughs> I will let you guys experience this interview, which I honestly had so much fun doing. Um, Greg has had such different um, perceptions of the film than I did, which is always, you know, super fun when I sit down and talk with these people on the show about, you know, these films that are our favorites or have, you know, influenced us in some way. And so it was honestly so much fun. So I will stop talking, I promise. <laughs> and I will let you listen to this incredible, incredible interview. So without further ado, my interview with Greg Cortez about his favorite film, Fight Club. Enjoy! Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. And this is going to be an exciting one, uh, not only for the film content, but also for the guests. We have on with us Greg Cortez, also known as Kila Cortez. And so first and foremost, hi, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> hey, Becky, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so for people who may or may not be familiar with your pseudonym, Killa Cortez, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what is that, what you do, all of those good things. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a artist, producer, songwriter. Um, I, I'm a partner at New Monkey Studio. And yeah, basically I'm a music man um, who loves movies. I love hockey. And that's kind of my life. <laughs> right on. And so you said that you had an interesting story about the name Killa Cortez. Yeah. Where does so, that come from? <laughs> so, yeah, that, um, so in the studio, like studio world, you come up as like an intern or you did now it's kind of different, but you mm -hmm. used to have to come up as an intern and all that. And, uh, house engineers used to call me Killer Cortez because of the Neil Young song, Cortez the Killer. Ah. Uh, and it, and it, and the theme kind of kept coming back because uh, the first studio I started at in Burbank was called Mad Dog Studio. Um, the engineer there called me that. And then when I eventually landed at New Monkey Studio, uh, my partner now, Joel Graves, he he was actually signed to Neil Young's label with his band, Everest. Oh, wow. And, and so the name just kind of kept sticking. And then 
um, when it came time for my, like my own artist project, I was like, well, I guess it should just be Killer Cortez. Why not? Right. People have been calling me this for a decade. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. You know? I mean, I love that. And it's, I will say I was listening to uh, some of your work online, cool. you know, just in prepping and I'm digging the sound. It's like Thank very you. much a vibe for sure. As the kids would say. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> And so Robert connected us, um, which he tends to do, uh, bringing on really fun, interesting people. And, uh, and he literally, I think the subject of the email was like Greg Cortez fight club. And I was like, yes, book it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That one. I'm down. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) And so first and foremost, why fight club? Why is fight club the movie that you're like, I want to talk about this for at least an hour. (laughs) Cause well, you know what? I feel like it's probably the the movie that I could talk about for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I remember when I, when I, when I was like coming up, like I was probably like between 14 and like 17 and it was different, right? Like we didn't have the Netflix. So you had yeah. your DVDs or you had your, your VHS, <laughs> whatever it was. Uh-huh. And, and I remember like I took a trip to Mexico with my family and I missed home. So I remember watching like Independence Day every day for like two months while I was there. And uh-huh. Fight, Fight Club was one of those movies where like I remember I saw it and it like blew my mind. And then I watched it like every day for like a summer. Um, and, and it was kind of fun because when this when this opportunity came up to do the podcast, like I hadn't seen I really haven't seen it in like 10 years, I'd say. And oh, like wow. I, I watched it again in preparation. Like I've seen it in bits and pieces, but like had right. it like sat down and focused. And like watching it again, I was like, oh wow, like like older Greg kind of likes this. It's cool. <laughs> like so many different things, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. No, uh, for sure. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So so yeah, when when it came up, I was like, Fight Club, let's do it. I'm down. <laughs> Well, I'm obviously a fan, if you couldn't tell already, of Fight Club. (laughs) Yeah. And so for people who didn't do their homework and don't know Fight Club, what would you say is kind of the shortest synopsis that you could give about the movie? So I was ready for this question. And (laughs) and and you know, I I have I have an answer, but then Mm -hmm. I have like a mini answer, which also I think is how Fight Club is. Like I think there's the surface story of Fight Club. Mm-hmm. But then I think there is like the deeper truths of Fight Club. Yes. So I think the surface story of Fight Club is it's it's about a character who is fed up with uh, capitalism, consumerism, and creates this alter ego that that manifests without him knowing and starts railing against the system, essentially. Uh, and that kind of plays out in the film. So I feel like that's the surface answer of what yeah. it's about. And then I think the deeper meaning for me, like especially watching it just recently again, was how um, there's a, there's like a theme about like follower and leaders mm. in Fight Club. And I, and I really, there's a, there's a specific line where I think Tyler asks, um, why is it that weak people need strong people? Yeah. And what's really cool is that, like you have the whole consumerism angle, which needs that, but then everything that Tyler ends up doing needs that too. Yeah. So there's this cool dual duality happening. No, absolutely. I mean, it's so interesting that like, I feel like when this movie first came out and, and decent amount of years after that, I think it was kind of considered like a dude bro movie. Yeah. But when you, yeah, when you really like kind of sit down and watch it, like actually for like what it is, it really has a lot of layers of like consumerism and how do we feel about that? And, you know, Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity, how do we feel about that? And, you know, Mm -hmm. being a leader versus being a follower, like you were saying, it's all there. It's just the layers are never ending (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also like, I feel like when you watch it, you'll pick up on different things every time because there's so like everything's happening so fast and there's always a subtext to every scene. Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, I was just watching it last night and was like noticing new things. And I had just seen it a couple months ago, like pretty recently. And yeah. I'm still picking up new things. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So um yeah, that's my I feel like that's my quick synopsis of it. Um 
That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the ballpark of what what we're looking at here. Yeah. Um, and from here on out, it's nothing but spoilers. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think I gave it away already, but you know. <laughs> well, then let me ask you in that case, because the movie in itself has such a hard left twist ending. Uh-huh. When you first watched the movie, did you know about it? No, no, I had no clue. Nice. Yeah, that was like mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, that that was why I had to watch it like 60 times after that. Because, right. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, like, because after that, you're just chasing that dragon. Like you got that feeling the first time and then you're just like, oh, I want to feel that again. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, it was it was totally the uh, you're looking at a painting and then you just flipped on the other side. and You're like, whoa, like I was supposed to be looking at it this way this whole time. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, such a cool concept for a film. Absolutely. I I can't even think of the last film that's done something like that. Yeah, that's a good, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, maybe, I feel like maybe Get Out had that kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. Get Out did have that. Yeah. Like it just had that kind of like, whoa, this is nuts kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't like the arc though. I think like it kind of, it just had a revelation. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, All right. Well, then let me also ask you the tough question. Yeah. Which is, do you have a favorite moment or part of this movie? Favorite part. I love. um, Interesting. So (laughs) it's funny because I I actually I have a TV like above our interview thing and I I had it playing in the background. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. And I, thinking back to like just the last time I saw it, I actually really loved the scene where they were in the car and um, Tyler's telling the Edward that like you just got to let go, mm. just let go because there's there's so much craziness happening. Like the car's about to crash, he's letting go of the wheel, oncoming traffic's happening, and there's so much wrong about that scenario. But there's also so much, I think, life truth in that weird scenario where it's like, yeah, it's, I, I think maybe we do all just need to let go a little bit. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's it's pretty anxiety inducing the whole time that like, I mm-hmm. think and that's a great thing about this movie. I mean, we've already said it, but like watching it multiple times, you pick up on other things. So like once that like initial shock of like, oh, they're going to crash in oncoming traffic. Yeah. It's you get to kind of focus on those like big speeches that Brad Pitt does yeah. throughout this whole thing. Yeah, and then and then they crash and and they're like getting out of the car, like the car flips over and they get out. And I, I forget who he tells, but he tells somebody he's like, he's like, you just had a unique ex- experience in life. Yeah. Like, dude, that's that's true. Like anytime we fail in life or whatever happens, like we just we're here living it and we're experiencing it. Yeah. Well, and it's Brad Pitt playing Tyler Durden is so fascinating pretty much from when he gets onto the screen Mm -hmm. because he does kind of embody like everything that Edward Norton's character wants to be, right? He's like strong and manly and, but he's also spouting like philosophical wisdom at any chance that he possibly can get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 definitely a philosopher, like a stoic in a weird way. He's got yeah. all these drops, truth bombs happening. Uh, also, love the scene when they're on the plane when they first meet. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and uh, what does Edward say? He's like he's like uh, he's like oh, that's pretty clever. He's like you get it right, and he's and then <laughs> and then Tyler asks him. He's like, so how's that working out for you, being mm-hmm. clever? You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like damn. <laughs> It's so, it's real. it's honestly so, so good because like, even as you're, if you watch it the first time, you're just mind blown by the end. And then every time you watch it afterwards, you're looking for those moments of like, he's talking by himself. Yep. Like Tyler's not there. So like every single thing that comes out of Tyler's mouth kind of implies that twist ending, which is like, it's like, yep. 100%. <laughs> So let me ask you, because I, because I, I do look at it like as a, 
it's like almost like a 360 art piece. Like when mm-hmm. you when you see it, when you saw it, what do you interpret it as? Like the film. And in terms of like as an like art the, piece? Like the plot, like how you're asking me, like what what do you think it all sums up to? Oh, um, Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think uh, I think I lean more towards the idea that it's a commentary on how a man should be and how it kind of pokes fun at that as well of like, oh, look, Tyler's a manly man and all that stuff. Oh, but guess what? He's also like a pseudo terrorist against commercialism and capitalism. So like, I think that dichotomy between like how the general public is like, oh man, Tyler's the man. Like that yeah. always makes me laugh. Cause I'm like, mm, you shouldn't be Tyler, but he does make some good points. Like, <laughs> See, that's, that's so funny. Cause I, I definitely wouldn't have seen that angle without you saying that, but I, I see it now that you yeah. say that I totally <laughs> see it. And, and what's funny is like, while Tyler is like a manly man, He's also kind of like, he's also a dandy. He's like kind yeah. of a feminine man, mm-hmm. but he's also very manly. It's interesting, an interesting uh, combination. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's why, that's why we're here, man, is we're, we're talking about different theories and that's, that's the best part about it all. But I mean, you're right. I didn't even think about the fact that like Tyler does have his kind of like effeminate moments like that big puffy coat that he wears at the end like yeah. i don't see any straight man wearing that ever <laughs> yeah yeah his his sense of style is immaculate you're like dude how can i dress like tyler right <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well and i mean so in terms of how you view it so you kind of take more like the commercialism commercialism aspect of things is that kind of how more uh i think i think on the first watch Mm. i I think that was just my what i would think an average viewer would take away Mm. from the first watch you'd be like there's this crazy twist ending and this is about like death to capitalism or consumerism right um (laughs) where, where my mind takes it now is like so I'm big into like esotericism and and mm-hmm. uh, and some of those ideas. And one thing I, I had thought it's really interesting the relationship between Marla and Tyler <clears throat> because mm-hmm. Tyler doesn't happen until Marla gets introduced, and Marla is kind of kind of Tyler in a weird like. A little bit. They're, they're they're very just like haphazard, mm-hmm. um, like let go. Like she completely lets go. She's just like whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Yeah. And <laughs> and Edward Norton's char- character meets her, and then Tyler happens. Yeah, that's right true. After. And and I and I thought about like this idea that like ideas are living things, and like in a weird way, Tyler is this manifestation of Marla coming out of Edward's character. She inspires this thing. And then she's also there at the end with him, like watching the end of capitalism or whatever. Yeah. Like to see to see it through, which to me kind of closes the loop. Ooh, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Cause I mean, it is an interesting plot device that Marla and Tyler are never in the same room. And it goes into the twist ending that like Tyler isn't real. Yeah. But that is so interesting because you're right. They both like would walk into traffic and be like, well, if this is the end, this is the end. And like, that's yeah. it. They're very free spirited. Yeah. Ooh, that's so interesting. So I think she, yeah, <laughs> I guess from where I'm taking, where I'm going with it is I think Marla is the inspiration for Tyler. Ooh. Like she inspires him. And that's Edward's version of being like, he wants to be Tyler, but in a weird way, he kind of wants to be Marla. Hmm. Ooh, I like that. Because I was going to ask you in terms of like, how do you feel about Marla's character? But that answers that already. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she she's so cool. I mean, she she's like, what's also what's interesting about her is like the idea when when like they initially meet Edward and Marla mm-hmm. and um, he like hates her. He's just like, yeah, <laughs> he, he's just like, oh, my God. But what's hilarious, right, is that she, 
she she is his reflection in a way because especially in this scenario like they're they're both going to these um out of what are like group meetings oh the support groups the yeah. support groups and like she's a phony but he's also a phony and mm-hmm. so she's exposing it and uh i just think that's hilarious that <laughs> that that drives so hard to his subconscious that he creates this character at least in my theory <laughs> oh yeah well i mean even to that point like when they're in the group, she's in his, you know, cave through guided meditation. And then later on, when he's with Tyler, when they do the the chemical burn scene, she's still there in his cave. So it's oh, like she's damn. kind of implanted herself in his subconscious that way. Well, Ooh. I didn't even think about that. That makes <laughs> sense. Okay. All right. We didn't come to play around today. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. Damn, yeah, I love it. She's like she's smoking a cigarette. She's like, slide. Right. <laughs> I love that little held, held tilt she does too. Slide. Yeah. Like, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, man. <laughs> of course, the classic scene that's it's up right now is the uh where they're outside the bar mm. and and Edward hits Tyler for the first time. <laughs> yeah. You know? And you know that that's another angle that I I, did, I thought about too. Like I didn't think about it as hard, but mm-hmm. there's like some weird cultural thing with like punishment. Mm. Like like he for some reason uh, they started fighting and like right he got hit and then he's like do it again. Yeah, and there was this weird like masochism, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, which. It's strange because I, I do feel I do feel like in a lot of our lives, like a lot of it is inflicted and, and we can change it, but sometimes we don't change it and, mm. and it keeps getting inflicted. Yeah. By, by like ourselves or whatever. And that's that is truly what's happening, right? Like he's not he's not fighting anybody. He's actually just hitting himself. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and and it almost becomes like a like a kind of cleansing experience almost. It's like um uh, it's like those old school monks who would like whip themselves. It's like that, like trying to become clean through violence aspect, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Such, yeah. It's so interesting to kind of, and also to think about the fact that, cause we do see that scene, he is beating himself up multiple times <laughs> before anybody else joins the club. Yeah. So it's like, not only has he created this other person, he's also, trying to cleanse himself of like something inside of him, which. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. And also this thought just come to me right now is, Mm -hmm. is um, the narrator's character is like super kind of despondent, like bored with life. Mm -hmm. It's just going living the rat race nine to five. And it seems like he's having trouble feeling anything. Mm-hmm. And so what's, what's better way to feel something than through pain. Yeah. And, and Marla in a weird way is like kind of the same way. Like she can't feel anything. Like she's so, I don't know if they really go into that part of her story, but she, you can tell that she's like, doesn't really feel it the same way. Like she's looking to feel that's why yeah. she just does. She just like walks in traffic. She's like, I want to feel something. Yeah. Um, well, they both have the same issue of like they have this kind of numbness yeah. to everything. They just have different approaches of like how to fix it, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Hmm. I will say that whole scene in the beginning, because one, I, one of my notes was like this voiceover is everything because it it really sets that kind of like literary tone because it is based on a book. Mm hmm. But that whole scene where he's talking about how much he needs specific IKEA furniture. Oh yeah. Gives me life. <laughs> that whole scene where it's like popping up with the names and the item numbers just gives me life. Like so many others, I had become a slave to the IKEA nesting Mother instinct. Uh, yes. I'd like to order the Erica Picari dust ruffles. Please hold. If I saw something clever like a little coffee table in the shape of a yin-yang. I had to have it. The Klipsk personal office unit, the Hovatrek home exerbike, or the Ohanashov sofa with the string green stripe pattern, even the Rizlampa wire lamps of environmentally friendly unbleached paper, 
I'd flip through catalogs and wonder what kind of dining set defines me as a person. I had it all, even the glass dishes with tiny bubbles and imperfections, proof that they were crafted by the honest, simple, hardworking indigenous peoples of wherever. I was holding. We used to read pornography. Now it was the Horchow collection. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. <laughs> did you did you think about your shopping cart on IKEA online? You're like, you're like, oh yeah, it's loaded up. <laughs> See that that's me for like equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I have I have sweet water. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember the first time I got heavy into like any kind of studio equipment. Mm-hmm. I just sat there one night and I like priced out an entire like $36,000 shopping <laughs> cart for no reason. Like I, I didn't have that money. Right. You know? <laughs> I was like, I'll get there one day. Right. Exactly. I do that with furniture all the time, which is probably why it hits me so hard, even watching it now. Of like, it came up last night and I was like, hmm. I haven't really looked at Ikea in a while. Maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should check it out. <laughs> maybe this I should is a check great, out what they have. Yeah, it's great advertising. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was like an ad placement. That'd be hilarious. It would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it did a good job. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's amazing. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I had I wrote down some notes here. I love that. Tell me. Tell me everything that you have. <laughs> let me see. So yeah, I, one thing that I also thought was super interesting was like relating it to today. Mm. Like what would what would what would Tyler be railing on today? Like would it be consumerism still? Um I don't know. Like I look at it and I look at like the social media stuff. I feel like that might be the thing that he would rail on. Probably. You know, like, like I, I look at um, the aspects of because he because he asked right he's like you aren't you aren't your what do you say like you aren't your furniture you aren't your job oh yeah you aren't mm-hmm. this you aren't that so it would be like you aren't your social media you aren't what you portray yeah. yourself to be on social media that's how I, that that's one thought that came to my head immediately is like I feel like Tyler would add an addendum in twenty twenty one you were not your Instagram you know. <laughs> I mean, probably uh, it would definitely be involved there, but it is interesting that like this idea of, cause like the big plan at the end is to blow up all of the credit card company buildings. Right. And so that's still kind of prevalent thing now in terms of like erasing debt. So maybe that's still involved. I don't know. That's a great question though, of like, how do we update fight club from 99 to 2021? Definitely. Well, that's, to that point, that duality still exists with the movie too, because the credit card companies die, and mm-hmm. like Tyler technically dies too. Oh yeah! Like both both sides of it go yeah. away. Yeah, they both start back up at zero. Ooh, that's Edward good. starts back at zero. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and Marla's there. Yeah. He just oh, he just has a gunshot wound in the throat. <laughs> that part, yeah that that part that part specifically hit me. I was like. There's no way you survive that, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm like, I was trying to see, like, what's the track? Like, how? Yeah, how, how is it where, possible? <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> I re- yeah, I remember on the on the rewatch, I was like, I feel like I remember him getting shot, but I also remember him talking at the end. <laughs> and and then when it happened, I was like, no, nah, there's no way. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> that was a stretch. I'll I'll let it pass though. Right. <laughs> it's like the percentage of that happening is so unbelievably small for like a self-inflicted headshot, I mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It it does the trick, but <laughs> but also that is the ultimate like um scenario of like just let go. Mm. Right? Tyler's like, just let go. He's like, all right, well, I'm gonna shoot myself and see what happens. That is true. And it it also is interesting because like when he does figure it out, he's like, you're not holding the gun. I'm holding the gun. Yeah. And Tyler doesn't even really try to stop him because like we've seen him. He he beats the crap out of Edward Norton when he's trying to disable the van bombs. Yeah. He's like, why would you do that? You know, (laughs) whoa. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, so he's like, you're shooting at your imaginary friend <laughs> with nitroglycerin. Right. In the background. Yeah. Oh but he God. also doesn't try to stop Edward Norton's character from shooting himself either. He just kind of calmly stands there and is like, all right, you're going to do this. And like, Dang. it's kind of strange. It's kind of strange. <laughs> the, the sensei just let it happen. Yeah. Wow. It's like, Daddy's I've done my work. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And then Marla's like, then Marla slips in. Yeah. Marla takes her spot because Tyler's not there now. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Different layers to this movie. Even now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, also, I also love the scene where um, the bar owner like goes down to confront. Oh, yeah. Like the club. And and Tyler's like, I got this. And then he just like <laughs> lets him just beat down on him and just like takes takes so many hits and he's completely bloody and then just like basically makes the guy agree to letting them keep doing the club by just kind of being all bloody all over him. Right. <laughs> it's a it's such a it's such an interesting like I don't know. I don't know if it's deep at all. It's just I remember that scene just being like, oh my God. Like Yeah. Well it's it's pretty shocking of like, you think, oh, that's it. Like Brad Pitt has nothing else in him. And then he jumps on top of that guy and like slobbers blood everywhere. Yeah. And that kind of becomes a theme too of like, if you don't get your way, act like a crazy person. Just like tell them that you won't back down on something. And because then Edward Norton does that with his boss of like, just give me what I want and you'll never see me again. And it's, oh. Yeah. So- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how like political you get on this podcast, but I in in watching this, mm-hmm. I did start thinking. I was like, I was like, all right, like again, back to the theme of like, why do weak people need to follow strong people? Mm-hmm. And then it started making me think of like all the stuff that happened with Trump and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, this is this is why what he did worked for him because, like, uh exactly what you just said just act crazy yeah and and people are like eat it up yeah i mean you you make an excellent point (laughs) yeah i mean yeah and and just watching people follow it you're like okay (laughs) right (laughs) all right (laughs) and it's like just when you think it can't get any crazier it escalates and especially with the club, it's like it starts out as two guys and then it's yep. 10 guys and then it's we're in the basement and then it's we're Project Mayhem. And that like all of this, it just escalates to a point where not even Edward Norton's character can really stop it yeah. in general. <laughs> well, that that's that's a, that's like a cool intricacy that I feel like was really cool how they designed the movie mm. was they made it that. Tyler the entire time was foolproofing his plans yeah. from from Edward Norton. It was just like was basically like if I ask if I ask he's telling his like lieutenants like if I ask you about this you are not to tell me. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah, I mean that's that's kind of super maniacal genius stuff. Really is. Like that whole scene where he's like he's one step behind Tyler yeah. until he figures out that he is Tyler. Yeah. It's just like you're saying, it's it's the full proofing of the plan of like he basically put Edward Norton characters <laughs> Edward Norton's character to sleep for like a couple weeks, maybe, and was yeah. just traveling the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least the yeah, nation. Yeah. I, th- those are those are funny scenes like when he's traveling city to city and he's like, he's like, You're looking good, sir. And he's right? like, What? He's like tripping out. He's like, What? You know me? <laughs> But um, it's always it's always very subtle too, because like the first bar he goes to is, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. And it's like that's the subtle nod of like, well, I know who you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. And so now it has me thinking also about like the rules of Fight Club, right? Like, like, mm. like number one rule, like you don't we don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. Um, and thinking more on this like duality idea, like we also don't really talk about the rules of like consumerism and how weird that is mm, for all yeah. of society. Like, 
fight club and consumerism are kind of the same. Like we don't talk about how like we're a little bit kind of like debt slaves a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you know, eating <laughs> this my system. credit card screaming in the other yeah. room. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I just think it's a, it's a genius, genius, uh, piece of writing. It really is. And like, I can't get over the writing. Like every time I watch it, I forget how interesting and like darkly funny the writing is at like all times. Like it yeah. doesn't take a break either. <laughs> yeah. What's uh what's your favorite scene? Ooh. Um probably <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> probably the scene where um, Edward Norton is describing like who Tyler Durden is and it starts in like the movie theater projection yeah. room and he's splicing bits of porn into children's movies. Let me tell you a little bit about Tyler Durden. Tyler was a night person. While the rest of us were sleeping, he worked. He had one part-time job as a projectionist. See, a movie doesn't come all on one big reel. It comes on a few. So someone has to be there to switch the projectors at the exact moment that one reel ends and the next one begins. If you look for it, you can see these little dots come into the upper right-hand corner of the screen. In the industry, we call them cigarette burns. That's the cue for a changeover. He flips the projectors, movie keeps right on going, and nobody in the audience has any idea. Why would anyone want this shit job? Because it affords him other interesting opportunities. Like splicing single frames of pornography into family films? So when the snooty cat and the courageous dog with the celebrity voices meet for the first time in Reel 3, that's when you'll catch a flash of Tyler's contribution to the film. Nobody knows that they saw it, but they did. Nice big cock. Yeah. Which which gets spliced (laughs) in throughout the entire movie. Right! Which makes sense because he's narrating it for like Tyler is narrating this movie for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's the attention to detail in this movie is honestly like awe inspiring because not only because and I, I noticed it this time in that scene where they're talking about Tyler, Tyler actually interacts with the audience as well besides Edward Norton. And it's like the first time that's happened. Cause every other time it's where flies on the wall, looking in being told what's happening and Tyler's yeah. actually participating in it, which kind of could have been a huge hint as to like his involvement in the story, but just wasn't like, <laughs> it, but it's also in a weird way. It's also misinformation. Cause I think that perspective flip mm-hmm. lets you not really figure out, like especially when Marla and Tyler and Edward are in the house and they're never in the same yeah. room, you're like, oh, well, this guy has talked to me. So you never think about it. You just never think about it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. And I mean, even the fact that just just the mental picture that it gives you by the end of it. Like even the scene where they aren't all in the same room and, and Edward Norton's character is like, ah, yes, I'm six years old again. And my parents can't talk to each other. And it's like, Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, also the cover being like a bar of soap. Yeah. I love that. I love his whole thing about the soap, you know? Yeah. He's like, he's like, we're just selling, we're selling the, lard back to the same rich people who right. sell it to us, right? Because, right, yeah. isn't, it, isn't it supposed to be the uh, liposuction? Yeah. <laughs> that whole, I was watching it last night, and when that bag rips open. Oh, God, it's so gross. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it was funny because in watching that scene, I was, I was trying to, like, think about, did they mess up on that scene a little bit? Because... Tyler is technically throwing the bag to mm. Edward mm-hmm. and it's like, well, who, who, how, how does he throw it? I don't know. <laughs> that, that was one scene where I was like, well, how does that happen? Right. <laughs> Maybe he just hauled it up. I was like, all right, we'll, we'll forgive you for that one. Fight club. It's possible. I mean, that is kind of the fun thing about rewatching this movie is like, how would this look if Tyler wasn't there? Yeah. Like how are these scenes possible without Tyler actually being there? Yeah. Um, Ugh. 
Because yeah. then it, it also makes you think because sometimes the like when Tyler explains it, like sometimes it feels like you're watching me or sometimes you're asleep and I'm here. And it's it makes you wonder like, OK, so when Tyler is throwing the fat over, is that actually him throwing the fat over or is he on the other side, like pretending to catch it? Like the possibilities, I feel like are endless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Like maybe he's on the dumpster and he's throwing it over and the bag gets stuck. Yeah. And he imagines himself pulling it down. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> um yeah, so cool. <laughs> also the uh oh, the other scene that like the uh lieut- lieutenant that ends up coming in at the end that um Edward's character gets jealous of. Oh, Jared Leto. And that, yeah, that's right. I, I, I totally, <laughs> I totally forgot. So I, every time I watch this film, I always think he looks just like Jared Leto. And yeah. then last night I actually looked it up. I was like, because it is Jared Leto. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah. And then like he goes and, and fights him later on and, mm. and like kicks the crap out of him. And then it's just like, it's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, I wanted to destroy something beautiful. Oh, um, I don't know. It just, it's just one of those things. Like it just felt deep. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, it's so deep for, for what could be considered like a pretty, from like somebody who's not watching it like critically or like hasn't seen it a bunch of times. It's a pretty deep line coming out of like, this is a fight scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they didn't have to go that deep, but they did. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like what's interesting though too is that that same character is is like super loyal the rest yeah. of the way, and is like like I got it handled, sir. And his face is all messed up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um. Also, meatloaf. Meatloaf. Is meatloaf. Bob. Meatloaf is Bob. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, meatloaf is Bob is the best. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I mean, I, I just can't get around to the intro. Just like meet Bob. Then next line, he has bitch tits. Right. You know? <laughs> just like, just what a way to set it up. Amazing. <laughs> it really is. It's like, and Bob is such like an innocent character in all of this because he does have that kind of in- internal struggle of like being a bodybuilder and then. Mm-hmm losing the thing that you feel like makes you a man and then also not producing enough testosterone that like your hormones are all over the place. And Mm -hmm. he does kind of bring this level of innocence of like, I just want to feel a part of something. I just want to feel like a man who's in like a bigger picture. And like the fact that he dies makes me really sad every single time. You know, you know, what's funny is like a, just listening to even what you're, you're just saying and, and thinking about the scenes of him in the movie, like he, he's almost like the one of us character. Like he's yeah. not the main character, but he's everyone else. Yeah. And, and like, even in the scene where they're like applying for project mayhem mm-hmm. and he's outside and they tell him like, no, you're like, you're too fat. You're too old. Go home. Yeah. And he's like, He's like puts his head down, just walking away, and then comes back like, no, 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 come back, come back, you know? Right. You know, he's like, that's that's just like your normal person that's just going day by day. Yeah. He's he's both like innocent and he's very vulnerable the whole time. Like, even when he sees Edward Norton after a while, he's like, you know, oh, I found something so much better than group. Oh, what is it? Well, I can't really talk about it. And it's like yeah. It's like a little kid who wants to tell you a secret, but just like knows that he promised not to. It's like so sweet. Let's check this out. Check this out. Just I'm went ready. over this. I'm ready. Okay. I said that Bob is like us. And then at the end, when he dies, what do they say? They're like, we are Bob. Yeah. Damn. Ooh. Another one. <laughs> Maybe they knew that we are mostly all like Bob. Damn. Ah. Uh. And that is true. Bob gets like a very sim- symbolic death at the end to we are Robert Paulson or his name was Robert. Yeah, Paulson. his name was Robert Paulson. Oh, I forgot. He was blowing up something. I forgot what he was doing. Oh, the coffee shop. The coffee and, shop. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, yeah. And they shot him while he was running away. And then, I mean, his his fellow, you know, vigilantes, like, carried him home, which is also pretty nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> they could have left him there, but they didn't. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We are Bob. <laughs> we are Bob. <laughs> his name was Robert Paulson. Yeah, I love that. Oh. <laughs> uh. And the fact that it spreads throughout the whole country because people are saying that as Edward Norton is looking for Tyler. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was like that just made me give me vibes of like the internet. Yeah. Like what I don't even remember what year did this movie come out? Uh 99. 99. So that was like internet was here but it wasn't here like we know the internet now yeah it was like just got just starting out like i don't even think youtube was around yet like yeah like that was that was like an og (laughs) way of going viral yeah like fight club was viral it was like a a meme (laughs) um yeah it's so so good and i mean i mean it's there is that part where they're destroying cars and it's like everybody's on a vandalism spree, essentially, of like homework assignments. Yeah. And I, I think it's Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. They're talking. And I think Brad Pitt says something like, did you start the one in Delaware City? And he's like, no, I thought you did. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's just a testament to like this thing has grown out of control. And like not even these guys know what's happening with it. That's also so funny because just thinking of Edward Norton's character doing the vandalism scene by himself. Right. And he's like talking to himself. <laughs> he's just hitting, hitting out windows. Like right. he would have looked, he would have looked like the Joker. Yeah. Without face paint. Like that's exactly what he would have looked like. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah. So good. And I mean, so let me also ask you, have you, have you read the book fight club? So no, I haven't. I haven't read it. Have you? I read it um, when I was in college, so it's been a number of years. <laughs> okay. Did you did you read it before or after the film? I did read it after I had seen the film, uh, so I kind of knew what was going into. It's a double edged sword, right? Because like on one hand, if you read the book, then the movie's ruined. If you watch the movie, the book is ruined, and you can't really do them simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yes, yeah. I, I did read it after I'd watched the movie. And I remember really liking it and feeling like the movie was a very true reflection of the book as That's well. Cool. Yeah. They felt like they honored it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Were there yeah. any major differences that um that you like that you notice or you still remember? Um, I mean, not that I can remember off the top of my head, but the book <laughs> is is pretty thin. In compared, like if you're going to compare it to like a Harry Potter book or something, it's pretty thin. So like you could probably knock it out in a day if you had the time. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But it has that same kind of flair because the author was also involved with the screenplay. So it has that same vibe in terms of like the tone of how everything is written. So like that's a, that's kind of fun. (laughs) That sounds like they did it right then. I mean, that's, that's the thing is it seems this does sound like the movie feels like the author would be involved or that the script yeah. writers were like heavily involved the entire time. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot of just back and forth. It's like pure dialogue, you know, yeah. with the visuals matching but yeah. a lot of just subtext in the dialogue, which is, you know, that's what makes it amazing. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean it, I don't, want to say it was like lightning struck all at the same time because it's like you have this stellar cast you have an amazing you know screenwriter paired up with the author David Fincher directing like a lot of really great stuff happening in this film but it also is so detailed and so specific in everything that it does um that like I don't want to say it was like lightning struck but it it almost kind of feels that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it became a cult classic, and I mean, everyone that I know from my from my generation loves Fight Club. Like this, it's in that pantheon of top five films. Oh yeah, of that era, I think. Oh yeah, I mean, if 
you meet someone who doesn't know the first rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. I think you maybe need to rethink <laughs> that friendship. <laughs> well, that's funny because, you know, I was I was talking to someone and they were like, they were like, I haven't seen Fight Club, but I know the first rule is I'm not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, all right. So that, that tells you how far it's gone in the culture. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely one of those things where like, I think that line has its own kind of legacy, not separate from the movie, but it's taken on a life of its own. So that exactly what, you know, happens is that even if you haven't seen the movie, you know, that line. Yep. (laughs) And, and also there's so many, um, in a retrospect, there were so many cultural references that spawned from fight club that I hadn't like realized until after, like, for example, um, I know in like the, the emo years, that band, (laughs) that band, take you back Sunday. They did Uh a video like based on the fight club. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And then (laughs) there was another band called Jack's mannequin, which Mm -hmm. is, it's like Jack's aching heartache or whatever. It's all that same, the Jack thing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So what, what do you take from that? What do you take from the like I am Jack's spleen or what? I it's I'm not gonna say it right, but I find it delightful and like <laughs> the fact that it kind of becomes a running joke in the movie, like just kind of makes me happy. Like even to the point where he's having the scene where with his boss, he's like, I am Jack's uh a sense of total unsurprise or something like that. Like <laughs> something yeah. in that vein. I just think it's delightful. Like <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never fully, I guess, conceptualize how it all ties in, mm. but I just, I think it's awesome. It's just like a cool, like you said, a cool running joke that yeah. floats on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, that reminded me though, that like the scene where uh, he's quitting and he's like giving the yeah. boss the options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how, imagine you're the boss. How oh. horrified would you be? <laughs> Yeah. 100%. Yeah, right. I that's what I thought like especially watching it again, I was like, dude, like if that was me and then like my engineer just started kicking his own ass. Right. And then paramedics walk in and I like keep, I have bloody hands on me. I'm like, damn. Like what do you even do? Right. What can you do? I mean, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that whole thing is just amazing. That whole it's- scene. It's so good. And then on top of it, as he's leaving, the the narrator says something like, uh, you know, 52, you know, paychecks, you know, whatever. And then 48 flight coupons. Fight Club had corporate sponsor. And I was like, yeah, yep. <laughs> Fight Club had corporate sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole the whole thing with the lie mm. uh, where he does like the, the kiss on, yes. the, on the hand. Oh. That's also that was also it's oddly romantic in a weird way because then oh for sure you find in all the uh, like you were saying when they go to the when he's looking around the other clubs there's mm-hmm. other people who have the same mark yeah oh it's and I was saying this to my fiance last night of like there are so many like of course there's like crazy sex scenes between Tyler and Marla throughout you know the midway point of this film, I'd say, but there are a lot of like really tender and intimate moments between Mm -hmm. Tyler and the narrator, which I don't know if that's a reflection of like, this is who Edward Norton's character like wants to be. And so that's why it's like an intimate relationship or what, but you're so right that that whole scene with the kiss and the lie is so tender and like intimate. Yeah. 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 Well, and also that it comes out as a kiss. It's like, yeah, it could have been any other thing. It could have just been like a triangle. Right. Like you could have just put water or like just licked his hand and then done it. Yeah. 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 It was very specific. What is this? This is a chemical burn. Ah! Ah! It'll hurt more than you've ever been burned and you will have a scar. What are you doing? Guided meditation worked for cancer. Could work for this. Stay with the pain. Don't shut this out. Look at your hand. The first soap was made from the ashes of heroes, like the first monkey shot into space. Without pain, without sacrifice, we would have nothing. 
I tried not to think of the word searing or flesh. Stop it! This is your pain. This is your burning hand. It's right here. I'm going to my cave. I'm going to my cave. I'm going to find my power. No! Don't deal with it the way those dead people do. Come on! I get the point, okay? No! What you're feeling is premature and light. Moment of your life, man, and you're off somewhere missing. I am not. Shut up. Our fathers were our models for God. If our fathers failed, what does that tell you about God? Listen to me. You have to consider the possibility that God does not like you. He never wanted you. In all probability, he hates you. This is not the worst thing that can happen. It isn't. We don't need him. We don't agree. We got to Fuck damnation, man. Fuck redemption. We are God's unwanted children. So be it. Listen, you can run water over your hand and make it worse, or look at me. Or you can use vinegar to neutralize the burn. Please let me have it, please. First, you have to give up. First, you have to know, not fear. Know that someday you're going to die. You don't know how this feels. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. Yeah, deep, deep, deep symbolism there. Mm. One thing, and I'm curious to ask your opinion on this. Okay. When they when they eventually get to the end where Edward is basically like he comes to the realization that he needs Marla. For you, how how do you feel like it gets there? Like how how does Edward get there for you? Um I think so in my mind. I have a conspiracy that I think Edward Edward Norton's character is possibly gay. And like, that's one of the things as to why he creates Tyler in a sense. And so I think, and then also considering this idea that like Marla and Tyler are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a natural progression of like, Tyler isn't real, but Marla is maybe. Ooh. I also, I also think it's interesting to note that he never says that he loves Marla. He always just says that he really likes Marla and that he cares about her well being by the end. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, that's my thought on it, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know what yours is. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the, this, I had the same feeling about the, the gunshot wound. To the mm. neck mm-hmm. that I had about their relationship, I was like, <laughs> like you, I was like, I don't, I don't really think they ever, he like ever said he loves her. No, but there is the one moment where he's like, like I, I realized that like I need you, and like he has this moment. Yeah, but I guess my brain was like, I don't really know how he got to that moment. Mm. Yeah, I remember thinking fair. that I was like, I, I don't know. It seems like you kind of hated her up until, until right. right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And I mean, I guess it also, you know, maybe it's just our brains assuming that, you know, any dynamic between a man and a woman has to be romantic. Yeah. And granted, there is, you know, the whole Tyler Marla relationship, I guess you could call it that like there is something romantic there, but I wonder if towards the end, it's more of like a platonic need for each other in some way. Yeah. I don't know. There's (laughs) yeah. Well, I definitely, I definitely feel that because I I think they both realize that they're both numb so they can kind of be numb together. Mm. And then I guess answering my own question there is like, I think maybe Maybe it's he realizes that he is Tyler and then he's like, like, yo, you like Tyler and Marla have been like getting it on this entire time. <laughs> so maybe I do have feelings for her because Tyler really likes her and I am Tyler. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> There's yeah, too many that, layers that, to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was one of the big questions I, I left watching this last time. I was like, all right, gunshot wound. And then like, how how did he ever how did he get to the part where he's like, Oh, I like 
I want Marla to be there. Yeah. Like, I want to be around her. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see like what that next morning looks like after the movie is over. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. What? Did you go to the hospital? Right. <laughs> Did you get arrested? Like what happened here? Yeah. Because I mean, even his guys are like, sir, you need medical attention. It's no, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm fine. Yeah. And you're and you're right. Like maybe I think you're I think you're onto something. Like maybe Edward's character is like is like a little bit in the closet. And maybe like Tyler is that manifestation of of that need. Cause cause you were saying like he uh or like I was saying like he he dresses a little effeminate and just a little yeah. what he's not. And maybe these are his desires and he's not up, like confronting them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what I like to think. That's how that's how my brain kind of has interpreted it. And I don't know if that's like I might have read that somewhere or something, but like I can't unsee it now either. <laughs> I could see that 100 yeah. percent. I mean, yeah, like like you were saying, even with like the kiss on the hand and everything. Yeah. Like. Interesting. Yeah. It didn't need to be that, but it is that. And it's yeah. that. And everything else is so specific in this movie that like it's that for a reason as well. Yeah. And it's oh. like an all boys club. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> Essentially. <Okay>. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I mean, so I know that we're kind of coming close to the end of our time, which I'm like, how is that possible? Because uh, we've been having so much fun together. Um, yeah, but yeah. is there is there anything else that we want to, you know, kind of cover about this film? I feel like we've done a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, that's I think I think basically like if you haven't watched it, if you haven't seen Fight Club, you gotta see Fight Club. It's classic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious to hear other people's takes. Like, you know, I I um this is one of those ones where I I definitely even even when I was younger, I felt the onion layers. Mm. And and I was always curious to hear other people's angles on all these things. Cause even just talking with you, like I, even like I've talked to other friends and come up with different perspectives on it. And it's, yeah. to me, that's, what's cool about this movie is, Oh yeah. Is everybody could have a different perspective on it and it's all open to interpretation, which I think all great art does. Oh, hundred percent. I totally agree. And I mean, that's one of my favorite things about talking about movies is that, like you're seeing things that I am not seeing. And so the fact that like even talking about this movie, like with different people, it brings up different things that you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that is like, that's how I know it's a really good movie is that like people are still talking about it. Like even now. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Yeah. Did you, did you see it when it came out? I did not. It was uh, not on my register at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. Yeah, I think I I think I saw it first like on DVD like from a friend. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um but yeah, it's definitely up there for me. Um yeah. And you know what's funny is like I'm not I'm not necessarily like a huge film buff or anything. Like I don't I watch films. I think mm -hmm. I like people hate me for this. I love like all the Marvel films. I know uh -huh. it's all the, I know it's all the same story. I get. I understand. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't like them. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I also, in that same era, like I loved Tombstone. Mm. I loved um, The Matrix, of course. Oh, of course. And I'm super stoked for the reboot. Uh, <laughs> or like the, you know, the next yeah. ones. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I this one was just such, I think it has such a uh, a big influence on on me. And it's funny, it's funny hearing like, Cause I think you're right in the sense of like this Tyler is what like a man should be. And I remember feeling that Yeah. when I was young, I was like, yeah, I want to be like Tyler. Like, yeah. Tyler is the man, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's such a great movie. And I mean, I can't thank you enough for picking it. And so first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for hosting. I can't wait course. to hear it come out. And I've been listening to a couple other episodes. I'm going to keep <gasps> listening down. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we love a listener. And of course, you're welcome back anytime if you want to talk about any other films on your radar. Um, loving everything that you've said already. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And and I mean, if if people want to check out like my music and stuff, 
Yes, I was just going to say, where can people find you? Tell us everything that we need to know. Yeah, so uh, I'm at Killa Cortez at like everything, mm-hmm. um, including TikTok. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's K-I-L-L-A-H Cortez. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can find me Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, all that stuff. Um, awesome. And you know, primarily I, I produce for other people and write for other people, but I have some of my own stuff and and uh and yeah love that and i will say i'm i'm digging the vibe that your songs are putting out there i'm into it and of course we'll be tagging you in our socials as well in case anybody who listens to the episode can't find you for some reason which is like weird but we'll make sure it happens for sure (laughs) thank thank you so much and and this is so fun this was so much fun thank you so much Another huge thank you to Greg Cortez for coming on the show and talking about his favorite film, Fight Club. I was so excited to do this interview and I feel like it lived up to all the hype that I had in my mind for it. It was such an interesting discussion and I feel like this film in particular has so many layers and this Honestly, this conversation probably could have gone on for three or four hours, Um, but we also had other things to do. It was getting past my bedtime, so say la vie. But I'm so interested to hear what you guys have to say. And additionally, would love to hear your guys' theories because I feel like every time I talk to somebody new about Fight Club, they have picked up on something that I hadn't even considered or thought of or even had on my radar to begin with. So with that being said, you have a couple of options. Of course, as always, you know what time of the show it is. We have an Instagram account at scopophilia underscore podcast, where of course I post five days a week about the movie that we are talking about this week, as well as any other general updates for the show. Uh, So feel free to do some commenting and let me know what you're thinking about the show and, and also about your theories about this film, because Oh boy, I am excited to hear them. Uh, Secondly, of course, we have a TikTok account at Scopophilia, the podcast where I post silly TikToks of myself talking about movies and also the podcast, of course. And lastly, of course, we do have merchandise online. The link is in our Instagram bio, but you can also go to ncpodcasts.com slash Scopophilia. We have hats, we have t-shirts, and we have tote bags, which are perfect for the holiday season coming up. As I've said on here before, I wear my Scopophilia baseball hat around the house and out in public all the time, especially when I don't feel like washing my hair that day, but that's just between us as friends. Additionally, since you are online, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Uh, We post weekly and we are almost done with season three. It's hard to believe, but here we are. So what better way to cap off this holiday season with telling your friends and your family and your family of friends and your friends of family about the show because we love keeping the conversation going and I love hearing from you guys and and everybody else around in your circle. You never know what you're going to get out of those conversations and, and the different perspectives that other people will see in a film. And trust me, it's going to be awesome. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia. And I'll see you all next Friday. Bye.